1: This podcast is sponsored by Royal London who, as proud sponsors of One Day Cricket, are also the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company, providing financial services to millions of people across the country. To find out more, visit www.royallondon.com Hello, I'm Simon Hughes and this is the analyst inside cricket and it's the day after the shocker of yesterday at Trent Bridge. That's what Trevor Baylis called it anyway. Simon, man, you were watching it on telly. I was actually there. So we've got kind of quite different perspectives on it, really. What did you make of it? I
0: thought the game was settled in the first day and a half,
1: day and three quarters.
0: There was no way back for England after they, they lost the first day and three quarters. That was it. Once you give A team, a league like that in the first innings, on that sort of pitch, no way back. Hugely disappointing for those who turned up yesterday to watch England produce 130 all out. But they had two days to bat, 470 runs to chase, absolutely no chance. There was still just enough in the pitch to help the South African bowlers nibble it around. It was also a bit uneven. Nothing that happened yesterday surprised me. What did surprise me and what settled the game is what happened in the in the first two days.
1: And actually, that's I think that's a very good point because a lot of focus will be paid to England's appalling collapse yesterday, which was pretty shambolic. And and obviously the uh, sort of sum- summary of that is that England's record over the last two years under Trevor Bayliss is is poor in Test cricket. One eleven lost thirteen and drawn four. Not very many draws. So there's no uh, you know resilience there really in the batting, but. Going back to the first couple of days, I I, I felt England were disappointed with the ball. Yeah. And it, it's easy to pin it on the batters, saying they, they batted poorly, but there was something in the pitch on the first morning and England bowled too short, and they know they did. And it actually, that often happens for some odd reason. You've got Anderson and Broad, these two highly accomplished and experienced bowlers who often get their lengths wrong early in a game. And I I don't understand why it takes them so long to find the right length. I mean, when Philander came on to bowl, he knew exactly what length to bowl, I and mean, in fact he bowls the same length pretty much every game anyway. Just that bit fuller, and it is immediately much harder to play. England's bowling that first day was disappointing. His extraordinary bowler Philander.
0: He's got this wonderful record. He, he takes his wickets about 22 in Test Match cricket, which is which is phenomenal, isn't it? And yet... He runs up, bowls about 79 miles an hour, just bowls it straight, wobbles it around a little bit, and everyone just seems to fall over. It's extraordinary. It only happened in your day when he ran up and bowled at 79 miles an hour. It's what an is old, it? What is an it? Old what fashioned, thing? Happened?
1: It's an old-fashioned style of bowling, which um, I think you probably get quite a bit of in county cricket, actually. You know, There's a lot of bowlers, if you look at the county wickets and you know, the highest wicket-takers of the year, you get these bowls like Darren Stevens, people like that, who just bowl that nice line and length, drawing the batsman forward? I think because pitches have been better in counter cricket over the last probably two or three years or so, but, but you know batsmen have been able to play uh, a more of a. It's probably also to do with um, the way they practice indoors and on you know artificial services a lot and they just get grooved into playing a sort of half and half game when I say half and half it's sort of they don't really get forward and they don't really get back they kind of have their trigger movement and then they hit everything from that point there's a lot of on the up driving which is a product of one day cricket and white balls that don't move at all and you then get into a mindset of of just hitting the ball on the up not really defending in in the old-fashioned way I mean you know I sit with Jeff boycott every day in the, in the box, and he talks about soft hands and you know technique and all that. It, it, there isn't much of it anymore. It's 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 hitting the ball on the up, and and a bowler like Philander, who just gets a little bit of a little bit of nibble from perfect length, just completely, you know, unravels those kind of batsmen. Well, I was I listened to some of the
0: match on on radio, and I watched quite a lot of the match on television. I was sitting there yesterday morning watching on TV when. Keaton Jennings was dismissed that over. He was d- dismissed by Philander, and Mike Atherton and Shane Warmer on, and they were saying, "Well, yeah, you know, what a fantastic over it was." And I thought, "Hold on a second, Philander has run up, bowled at seventy nine miles an hour, pretty straight, and a bloke's essentially just played outside a-, a straightish delivery. I know you're sort of slightly feeling for it, you know, which <clears throat> is it, which way is it going to nibble?" But I thought. This guy's an international opening batsman. He's just been castled by a bloke who's basically both, you know, five, four or five straight balls. And, with, you know, by the end of the over, it was just too much for him.
1: I mean, that's extraordinary. The things he does is, firstly, close to the stumps, wicket to wicket. He's got a very good wrist action, which releases the ball seam up and put a bit of backspin on it so that the seam grips. He doesn't know which way it's going to nip. So, you know, got to help the batsman, basically. But uh, the other thing that I've noticed is that very few batsmen... In the modern game change their method for a different type of bowler they still do their basic trigger movement back and across or whatever it is and that's all they rely on they don't adapt to a different type of bowler and Philander is a different type of bowler to probably anyone else around the world in international cricket because he's that bit slower he's that bit more skillful he's very accurate and what that requires is a batsman to do something a bit different like bat out of your crease, for instance. Or run down the pitch and or, smack him back over his head. I mean, it, it, like, they, like
0: they would in one-day cricket, wouldn't it? If Fernandes came in and bowled at eight seventy nine miles an hour in one-day cricket, they'd be shuffling down the pitch and bang, straight over long on. Two batsmen I know, in the I know, I know,
1: I, know that's the, I know you can't uh, expect no, a player no, no, to do that well, in you, test well, cricket, but you know, some but, people do. Warner has a go, doesn't he? I don't know, actually. I haven't seen Warner against Fernandes. It'd be interesting to find out what the record is there. But, but generally, one, yeah. I'm talking generally. No, but there, there is an alternative to that, and that is one that both Dean Elgar who obviously wasn't playing against Philander, but was playing against Jimmy Anderson and others. And also Ben Stokes employed in this game, which was bat out of your crease and get a long way forward. In fact, Stokes was even walking up the wicket to Philander. And I think his approach was good. It's just, it didn't come off because he got caught and bowled a little bit unluckily. And he's a bit defence minded at the moment, perhaps as well, but that at least those two batsmen tried something different. And that's, Definitely what you need. Of course, the other alternative when you're playing a bowler like that is the Hashim joe Root approach. Two of the top players in the world, and they actually don't have a problem with the ball nipping around because they play it so late. So they don't commit themselves. It's about flow of a batsman. It's not about planting your feet and and having the bat sticking out in front of you. It's about the timing of all your movements and what they're really good at, both Amler and Root, is sort of gliding about the crease and their body as one moving into the ball at the last moment so that the bat and pad are close together. It was very interesting watching Amler playing Anderson because Anderson bowled some very good spells in that test, not necessarily right at the start of it, but he bowled some great spells to Amler and Amler just as I say, glided about the crease, watched for the one that was the attempted LBW ball, straight, perhaps nipping back a touch, had the bat and pad very close together, wasn't lunging at it, was just watching it carefully and playing it at the last moment, as late as possible, soft hands, bat angled at 45 degrees, rather than pushed out in front of him at sort of, you know, almost 90 degrees. And and just the the, the deafness with which he played Anson And I looked up the stats... And Anderson has only dismissed Amler twice in 27 attempts, and one of those was for 100. Yeah. So that is how to play the seeming ball, the swinging ball. Play it late with that flow around the crease and lovely judgment. Amler,
0: I thought, batted beautifully in the match. Really really dug in and just gave the pitch the, the respect it deserved. And the England bowlers the respect they deserved, but it was still able to tick, tick the board over. Just going back to Keaton Jennings... His problem, I think, at the moment is he's hopelessly out of form as well. He's lacking confidence. He hasn't had a great summer. So he's a player who's in the England team, not in form, and they've got a bowling attack, South Africa, that can exploit that at the top
1: of the order. I thought he's, you know, that, that shot he played yesterday just showed a batsman who's just lacking <sighs> yeah, confidence. I, I just worry about his method, though. It's very upright and it's a bit stiff. And what you need with a bowler nipping it around is feel. And flexibility and and adaptability as well and he doesn't at the moment he doesn't have any of those maybe if he was in better form he would have but to me he's very upright sort of batsman who looks just a bit rigid and that's the problem when you've got a bowler who just nips it around a little bit from a perfect length you just end up poking and groping and sort of forcing and searching for the ball rather than just allowing it to come to you a little bit longer and playing it with a, a slightly more relaxed feel. We're still talking about England's top order.
0: We've been talking about it for, for months and months and months. They haven't sorted it, have they? So what do we do?
1: J- jettison, jettison Jennings and Balance. I think we'd give Jennings one more go. Uh, you know, he made a hundred in his first test. He might find the oval a slightly easier proposition. Balance, to me, we've said this several times, it just looks like a walking wicket. You know, he's a determined character. You know, you've got to admire his his uh, sort of apt- his application and his his courage really, I mean he might be out of the team anyway because he's got a bashed finger, but I just feel if you were a bowler you sort of think well, he's not going to hurt us, and he's going he's going to leave a gap between bat and pads you know you shouldn't get out as a top three batsman bowled between bat and pad really, and he's that's happened to him a couple of times. He gets bowled too often, really, and that's partly because I think mean, he's he's so far back in his crease. At the starting point, and then when he has to get forward, his hands and his bat are way out in front of him, which just you know it's pushing at the ball before it's done all its movement, and so he's committed in a rigid sort of way, and the ball just has a way of wriggling through. So England's batting in, in that Test match was it bad batting, or was it
0: good bowling? You say, well, it's a, a mixture of mixture of all those things. I've actually um, got all seven. England's batsman and I just decided or just had a look at what yeah. whether, whether it was a good ball or poor batting or, or a poor shot. And I thought Cook got two decent balls, Jennings, yeah. good ball first innings, poor shot second, balance. I've written poor and poor root, poor first innings, decent, really good ball in, yeah. in the second innings. I've yeah. got lots of players out, yeah. Stokes. I thought. Mistake, mistake, first and second innings defending. But you, you were right; he, he he was looking to really, really try to dig in, and it di- just didn't work for him. And right?
1: he did say, by the way, that the, before the game, that he was one person who really watched the South Africans the way they batted and tried to learn yeah. from it. Yeah, well, like, you, you
0: sense that with Stokes, but he he just made a couple of errors. Uh, a good ball in the first innings, poor shot in the second, in. Well, poor shot, poor shot. Yeah. Really. He didn't have a, a great game, did he? Um, after it, what happened at Lords, it's amazing, isn't it? You can go from being man of the match, top of the world,
1: one match, next match. It's, it's a bit like him as a as a person. Uh, you know, he is a sort of what will be, will be type of character. Uh, it, you know, he doesn't change much. He plays the same way each time, and sometimes it comes off, and and sometimes it doesn't. Actually, you know, he works pretty hard. To give him credit, he's always in the nets practising. He invariably practises first in the nets and then has another knock afterwards. And he does a lot of bowling practice as well. But with with his batting, he, he sort of trusts to his eye and he doesn't sort of try and adapt to a particular situation. If there's a bouncer being delivered, he doesn't really care if there's anybody back or not. He has a go at it pretty much. I mean, he was definitely freaked out a little bit, my um, morning more call-in the first innings, drove him back onto his stumps and then gave him the fuller one and he sliced it to, to point. It, it, he's a bit of a sucker for that kind of thing. But, in fact, it was Morris, wasn't it? Not Morrie Morgan who, who got him out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess you just have to, to you bear with Moen in a way because he can win you a game. But England can't afford loads of unpredictable match winners. They need some solidity and consistency. Moeen so far in the series England's second leading run scorer
0: with 139. There are some pretty skinny averages there for England's batsmen. Tell you what we'll do. We'll take a short break, and then after the break we'll look at what England might do ahead of the third test. Okay, welcome back. England then have lost six of their last. Eight test matches, they look a team that's just so easy to beat, especially in England where you wouldn't expect that, you expect them to to go through the card most of the time in an English summer, I think, to win series quite consistently at home there's no guarantee they're going to win this series but it is set up nicely, two matches to come and it's one all, it's exciting in a, in a way what do England do, Simon, for the next test match, is it, is it straightforward England selection, do you just say, right, that was just a bad day, bad few days England won the first test match just same again, just play better.
1: It's not good enough to say that. They, they do, do need some solidity in the batting. Uh, I, I think they're playing too many bowlers and not enough batsmen. and bat, Batting has been the problem now for at least two years, probably more. You know, The number of times England are 80 for 5 or 60 for 4 or something. It seems to me that, especially at, at the Oval, where Mark Stomer has made a lot of runs already this year, that he he seems to be the sensible choice to open the batting. The umpires and other sort of county players knocking around the circuit agree that he is a very competent player, good against the short ball, decent against spin, knows how to build an in innings, very experienced now, you know, having played 10, 10 years of county cricket or more. Uh, so he seems the obvious choice. Keaton Jennings is a young player that I think will probably be a good player but he's just going through that sort of tricky period at the moment so maybe perhaps you have him at number three and everyone moves down at a slot and Liam Dawson misses out
0: so so basically Stoneman for Dawson is is your team for the oval
1: yeah I I think so I mean you could look at the bowling as well and say does Mark Wood need a rest I think actually that he's been a bit unlucky and 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 that he could I'd, I'd keep with him I think he's got spirit Maybe a week off, he'll regenerate his batteries and get his speeds up again. His speeds were a little bit down at, at uh, Trent Bridge, probably sort of 85, 86 rather than a bit higher. He's got to go for broke a bit more, I think. Stokes Bob, well in the second innings, got some pace. And he looked a, a little bit more like his old self. Uh, he also dragged England back into the game on that that first
0: day as well with those two wickets. And then he was striving a bit too much for wickets, wasn't he? And he was he was pitching up, but he get, kept getting driven through the off side. Philander and Morris put together that really crucial partnership that just took South to African two thirty for six to three hundred for six at the close. That was abs- people forget that an absolutely vital partnership in the in the context
1: of the game. So there were some encouraging signs from from Stokes with the board in the match. And uh the batting wise if if everybody moves down well I mean I'm not really convinced about Gary balance but maybe at number 5 he might have a bit more chance of of making a success of it. He's been batting at 5 for Yorkshire or 4. Why put him in at number 3 for England where he's looked fragile in the past? It seems that seems a very strange selection. So I'd give him two tests at number five. I mean, I I know that you know he's not the 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 best option, perhaps in the for the for the long term. The alternative is you you pitch in somebody like Tom Wesley yeah. from from Essex. So I know he's the the next cab off the rank, if you like.
0: Well, Samit Patel was at Trent Bridge. I understand. Yeah, I know people yeah. were asking you know, who do you, who yeah. do you think should play, and he just said Wesley straight yeah. away,
1: didn't he? Yeah, he did. And uh, well, they, they they do a lot worse than to to play him obviously a right-hander rather than Balance a left-hander. Balance has the experience. Pitching in Wesley to, you know, decisive two test matches is a big call. But i tell you another player I really like and and I think they should really have on the fringe is David Milan because I think he's got something a little bit extra about him. He's a, he's, he's got that... But what we're talking about flow of batting, you know, which Amler and Root have. He's got that flow. He's got that those lovely easy movements into the ball. He plays it late. He can play different styles of innings. You know, he can play quite sort of solid, but he can also be very flamboyant and aggressive. And he's tall, you know, so you know he can, he's got a bit more reach against spinners, things like that. So I think he could be one that uh, that England have. Definitely earmarked for, for a big future. I'm not quite sure how well he plays the, the short ball because it, they've got, England have got to start thinking about Australia as well and, and how they handle you know, a four-pronged pace attack in Australia on bouncy pitches. And if Milan is someone they think will handle that well, and I think he probably will, then he's another one that, that's due for promotion. How far away are England from having a hope of retaining the Ashes? Well, the Australia's team is a bit in flux as well, so it's difficult to say at the moment. Uh, I think they've just got to get their top three sorted uh, to start with, because that has been their biggest problem for the last two years. Mm. They need to, they need to be sure who are their best top three. Because as soon as you go to Australia and you're not sure what your best team is, you're, you're dead meat, really. Yeah, yeah, they're right amongst you. Just they're scattering
0: you to all four corners, aren't they? I can see that happening at the moment the way things are going and I don't see any obvious solutions I think that this is, that's one of the interesting things everyone has been discussing it since England fell apart against South Africa and of course they fell apart a little bit against South Africa in the first Test match as well didn't they? There was a batting collapse in the second innings there were 70 for 4 in the first
1: innings people
0: have been searching around for answers there aren't many answers out there I think that, that's perhaps one of the worrying things. Well, it's,
1: a very, it's very hard. I mean, everyone is very harsh on selectors and, uh, you know, it's an t- incredibly difficult job. I mean, you know, we've had a go at selecting teams and probably haven't done much better than the England selectors. What you have to try and see is a potential yeah. in someone, don't you? you well, that's see what you're looking facing. at with Milan. That's what you're talking about with Absolutely. Milan, isn't it? I, mean, I don't know whether you're right or not, but you
0: feel as if you see something in Milan that, yeah. that might take him to an, well, I mean, another I, level above other players look, that are in the up,
1: team at the moment. Look at how he handled his first appearance for England in a T20 game you know his second ball he hit for six over deep midwicket it was a fantastic shot and you know that sort of thing and then he it wasn't just a one off you know he then played a really really polished innings of 70 uh, you know with lots of fantastic shots against some decent bowlers uh, he was cut and thrust ahead of anyone else that day on, on that pitch and that tells you something it tells you that he's got ability he's got temperament, self-belief confidence so those things are worth investing in, obviously you don't know how he's going to handle the intensity of a test match and you know, people bowling at 90 miles an hour at your head with you know 50,000 Aussies yelling at you, obviously nobody knows how he's going to handle that but it seems to me as if he's got the ingredients to be able to give him a chance Do you need to shake up England's Bowling lineup as well or not? Yeah, you're, you're, you're happy with that? We say Stokes bowled well. I, I, I like Jake Ball actually, and he's coming back to fitness, uh, and I think he's one that that is quite a deceptive bowler that, that and, and knows the game well. Uh, I I certainly look at him. Stuart Broad. The problem with Stuart Broad is he's lost his outswinger now, and he's he's a clever bowler, and you know he's very experienced, a huge number of Test wickets. Doesn't get the ball to leave the right-handers too often, and you want a bit of that, which is where someone like philander obviously Anderson, are very dangerous. Broad tends to just angle the ball into the to the right-handers, good against left-handers. So, I would be looking at Jake Ball seriously for for the next two tests if he's fit. Mm. Well, my take on it is that we might well be as England
0: supporters or those people listening as England supporters will be in for more difficult times and more inconsistent times in the next uh, year or two because England got lots of problems and not many solutions. They've also got two great opening bowlers who are moving towards the conclusion of you know, hundreds and hundreds of wickets between them. Not yet, but it you know may come sooner rather than later. There aren't that many obvious solutions to the, to the, the batting problems that they've got. They have got some outstanding players, outstanding players who, are, who will entertain us, the likes of, of Stokes and Root and Moen Alley yes, and Bairstow, players like that. So it might just be that we just have to enjoy the cameos or enjoy the, the one-off mm. innings or you know enjoy Jimmy's bowling while, while it's there. You know, that's a beautiful spell on the, the second morning at, at Trent Bridge. But as for consistency... I'm not sure it's going to be there for the next uh, few months, possibly even a year or
1: two. I think you're right. And, and you know, I think it's partly due to the, the plethora of the one day cricket. I mean, Jolly Bear said to me the other day, I haven't played much four day cricket. He's just not used to dealing with the red ball. And people perhaps can't get the sense that the red ball does so much more than the white ball for two reasons the juke ball, bigger seam on the red ball, and you polish it up and the white ball doesn't polish and hasn't got a seam, so it does nothing. The red ball nips around virtually all game, especially in somewhere like Trent Bridge where it's a lush outfield and they can keep the the polish on one side. It's just a completely different game. And if you don't really attend to it with a lot of detail, it finds you out.
0: OK, let's finish with our our Player of the Week and our low-light highlight. Royal London Player of the Week, you've nominated Hashim Amla.
1: I just found his uh, batting in both innings artistically beautiful. Uh, the, 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 the duel he had with Jimmy Anderson a couple of times in the game was compelling. Not from a very exciting point of view, but you could just see Anderson trying to work him round the crease, trying to get him to drive at one of the a bit wide or trying to get him a little bit too far across his stump. So he played round a straight one, but his movements were immaculate he was, his concentration was fantastic, you know, he sort of stepped away and he, he had this sort of zen-like calm at the crease, he wasn't flustered at any point, they tried a couple of bounces at him, which he got into a little bit of trouble with in the first innings, but the second is he just weaved out of the way. He still played his beautiful drives off the back foot and little whips off his hip as well, uh, so it was just an artistic innings of great beauty. and. I, I really enjoyed both both his performances. I felt he deserved man of the match, actually. Yeah. Royal London Player of the Week, then, Hashim Amla.
0: What about low-light? It would be so easy for us just to go for <laughs> England's batting, but, oh, no, we're going for something
1: far more serious than far, that. Far, and far more important, actually. Um, in the hotel uh, breakfast room yesterday... Shane Warren came marching in, and he said, oh, well, you know, I want, I want my toast for breakfast. But he said, has anybody ever found a hotel toaster that works? And he grabbed a couple of pieces of bread, and he said, look, you put the toast in once, and it doesn't cook. You put the bread in a second time round, it's still not done. You put it in a third time, and it's burnt. <laughs> and he proved it. Admittedly, the, the bread that he put in was... Basically, like tissue paper that 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 kind of hotel bread, which has about a sort of half a gram of dough in it, but he was right, and he had two pieces of black toast emerged on their third round, and he threw them away, then he made some more toast. And he plastered about four pats of butter on each one to go with his pizzas from the night before, plus beans and sausage. Uh, he is the original unhealthy diet. But he's right about the so toast. What's, so
0: what's our low lie of the week? Shane Warren's diet or, or hotel, toasters? hotel toasters? Hotel toasters. Hotel toasters. OK, and finally we're going to finish with our... Our highlight of the week. We haven't talked much about the the Women's World Cup and the the semi-finals are are ongoing and uh, anything we say will be out of date. But I've seen a South African opening batsman. She's 18 years of age. She's called Laura Volfart and I think she's going to be a real star of the game. She's a lovely, elegant offside player. Only 18. That's when you watch her. think, goodness, me. You know, it's unfair that she's got this much talent at that age. She obviously needs to strengthen her leg side game, and will also she also needs that deafness in her game, just dropping the ball, running, things like that. But she she's a beautiful offside player, and I think this this World Cup has shown that the the women's game has taken gone up to an, another level. Some of the batting has been superb in the top order. The top four batting, I think, has been a real feature. The, the timing, also the power as well and I've been hugely impressed by that. Fielding still needs to improve, overall, and, and the bowling as well. Batting has been excellent,
1: and Laura wolfart is a star of the future, well, I Well, I'm looking forward to seeing her, and in actual fact, I'd like to give a bit of credit for Mark, to Mark Robinson here, the England women's coach, because he's really campaigned over the last year or two for the boundaries to be brought in for women's cricket a bit, so that players are more confident about hitting over the top, hitting sixes, getting rid of those very slow spinners, actually, who I think are rather holding the game back and making it look a bit of a joke. And the more of those type of players that you mention, the better it is for the game. I've seen a few others knocking around the circuit, and I think women's game is, is really on the up. It's, it's, it's exciting. Thank goodness me, Elise Perry,
0: that's a uh, top-class creator as well. Please continue to leave reviews of this podcast on iTunes. We'd like to know what you think. You can also subscribe to the Analyst Inside Cricket so you get the programme automatically each week. Just click on the button where it says subscribe. We're taking a break for we a week. Sorry about that. You're, you're on holiday and we'll be back with a review of what could be an absolutely vital oval test match.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it but just having a bit of time off first. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.